Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to have you aboard with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We'll recap the first morning practice of training camp thus far as they are just wrapping up practice. They'll then have some media sessions later on. So we'll get you caught up with the latest out of practice as well as some of the team news and developments from yesterday. And we'll get to your phone calls and your tweets. Jeff, how are we doing today? Good. First morning practice. Yes, first camp. morning practice. They got to wake up a little bit earlier today. Hold on. Let me get the violin out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's tough. First morning. The, the, you know what the real morning practices used to be like? And again, I know I was just a punter. I still was there. 8.30 in the morning. You had to roll out of bed like everybody else. Yeah, I know. Because you had another one in the afternoon. The two-a-days. Two yes. two-a-days thing. That so, word is not part of the vocabulary. It is not. In today's so, NFL. So 1045, you know, they get everything done, whatever. But uh, other than that, I'm doing good, Lance. Doing well. <laughs> that was a quick transition. <laughs> I, I, I can't, Let me complain I can't live in the first past. about today's NFL I, setup. I, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't live in the past all that much anymore. I just have to move on, and it's good. So good. Good 1045. The guys are off the field now. Got to catch a little bit of practice uh, this afternoon you know, when I came in. Not much. Um, but uh, it seems to be that things are going well. Yeah. And uh, I think that the from – I haven't been around the Giants' uh, practices for a little bit because I've been doing, doing some work and stuff, but I, I will tell you that I read about it. One thing that I'm very impressed with, I would say impressed because this is good, and knock on wood, and, and I don't believe in like, oh, you know, you jinx the team, but it seems to me that they're, this, the training camp is going very good for the Giants as far as health, and the guys are healthy. They're getting through this stuff. Um, I like what I'm seeing and hearing and reading about the players and how they're reacting to Coach Shermer and how they're in pads. It seems to me they're in pads a little bit more than they were have been in the past, which is football. I mean, <laughs> you gotta you got to play in pads, so you might as well practice in them, yeah, right? And you so, want to develop good habits in pads too. Yeah, and I, I think that and now that the the way that the practices are are designed, they're okay. I mean, you're out there one time, so. But it looks like there's a lot of a lot of good work going on. Some guys are having some good camps. Um, some guys are having some bad camps, and that's just what it is. Every every year, you have the good and the bad and the ugly. Well, I think that we've seen that over the first few days of training camp. The one thing that jumped out to me today, as well as previous days, is I think the competition, Jeff, at wide receiver on the back end is going to be very interesting to watch, especially in the preseason games. Well, Listen, a lot of guys are making plays, and that's great, but let's be honest. The men will separate themselves from the boys once they obviously <laughs> get into these preseason games. I've said it before, and I, I'm going to say it again. That that Those fifth and sixth and maybe seventh – I don't know if there's going to be seven of them, but whatever it is, it's special teams. Flat out, yeah. it's going to be – that's what it's going to make. Okay, Cody Latimer is one of them. The guy can play special teams. He's going to be on the team. So there's another one of your receivers. So if you want to go through them. Uh, Roger Lewis, I, I don't think he's a very good special teams player. He's going to have a tough time making this football team this year, in my opinion. So he better, you know, he better pick it up a little bit just from what I've been seeing and reading and all this kind of stuff. Got to play special teams. So, but there is it's a great competition going on, and that is what Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer want. And, uh, and same with Tyke Tolbert, the coach, the wide receiver coach. They want that competition. They want guys to step up. But bottom line, in that meeting room, they're telling these guys, yeah, this is your playbook for a re wide receiver. <laughs> this is your playbook for Flip special teams. You yeah. better learn this side of it because the chances of you getting on the field behind Eldell Beckham and the other guys that are around there. So we'll see. Well, to your point, Shepard. Shepard is another guy. Camp. Russell Shepard, yes. Carolina ties with Dave Gettleman. Yeah. And I was going to point out, 
he, Hunter Sharp, Cody Latimer, those are the guys that I think have stood out a little bit more because of what they can contribute on special teams, as well as Khalif Raymond, by the way, and who I also about, think has and, done a nice job. What about the guy with the three three names? What's the his three name? names? Tawa. Amba Tawa? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Wow. <laughs> I hope he makes the team. Just so <laughs> you, of you course you do. The deal <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Lance and I am I, so pulling for him to make the team. I don't just know how many to hear years you have to is, say his name. Lance and I have been together coming up, for the, but it is. I will. I I should have my own butcher shop because I literally butcher those names. And I, uh, you know, I'm honest about it. I'm telling him to tell you right now. Yeah. I'm like um, jalapeno. Okay. So I as opposed to jalapeno. Jalapeno is that his name? Jalapeno. Jalapeno. Yes, that was good. I don't want to know his other name if it is because I've just finally got that one down. Yeah. Right? Well, stick with that. Jalapio. Yes, okay. the reps are paying off in the offseason, They are. Jeff. Jalapio, Jalapio, yeah. Jalapio. Jalapio. <laughs> and, uh, and the other one is uh, Omam. Well, you made it harder on yourself for that one. I always used to tell you. Yeah. There's no point of saying his whole name. No, I'm not going to. Yes. So, anyways, but back on back on your point is the, the ride receiver and – we kind of knew coming into it there was going to be a lot of bodies there. I don't think that we knew that there was actually going to be this much competition. I think these guys are all out for the, to, to win a job, which is great. That's why they're here. I agree with you. Marquise Bundy is another name I'll throw out. You know, he's had some flashes here or there. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody on this list of wide receivers that I'm looking over, you could point to at least one training camp practice where – that player did something, whether it be on special sure. teams or as a receiver, and sort of caught your eye. But now I'm more intrigued to see, okay, what translates over to the preseason games. Yeah, that's the next step. I mean, that to me is yeah. exactly – that's and, the next step in the progression. even though I've said this before, we, we don't ever get a chance to be in the meeting rooms and hear what the coaches are saying on tape and if these guys are making mental errors at practice. And, you know, so our, our, our idea of how these guys look on the field – May get a little bit. Diff- it's maybe a little bit different if we knew if they were running the right routes and they were and they were making mental mistakes and they were getting graded the way they were. Uh, we don't know that. So you know, as of right now, we we see all these guys playing on the field and doing their stuff. The next step is the preseason game. But man, I wish I was a fly in the wall, being able to know if these guys are taking what they're learning in the in the uh, meeting rooms and taking it out to practice. Now. Just out of curiosity, since you've been in all these special teams rooms, Jeff, if you're a young receiver, how challenging is it to split time? Because obviously you're busy learning the offense, but then obviously you're involved in the special teams meetings. Do they do a good job in terms of trying to divvy up the amount of time for these players to at least absorb the playbook for both sides? Or it's really on your own time, you, on your you've got to make sure you your, study your, up. Your special team stuff, unlike anything else, is on really a lot on your own time. You don't get much special teams work at all in the meeting rooms. Um, your, your first meetings of the day, typically, are your special teams meeting, and they're about a half hour. And that's it. And so then Not a the, lot of substance, and then, obviously. And then the evening meetings, um, just from when, it, when, I, when I was around it, uh, you watch the tape from the practice, and then you install for the next practice. So there's not a lot. So you go home at night and you dig into, like I said, regular playbook, special teams playbook. Yeah. Okay. You better get into that special teams playbook that night because, um, and now in practice, you know, you have drills and drills. There's not a lot of live special team stuff. So I think it's important that when they are in full pads is when they, they really can get a good look at the gunners and guys like that because they don't, nobody rushes full speed on punt rush. They don't want to get the punter hurt. And, you know, so, but they have, the gunners, it's almost like one-on-one with receivers. You have a defensive back there and you have the gunner. 
Well, that, well, this drill, you have two defensive backs, and you have the gunner that runs down the punt, so you, and it's live, and it's you can hit, so that you kind of get a good idea. That's really the only live part of special teams practice you can do. Now, I did read and hear about that they they had a live kickoff return session because and a kickoff session because this is all new rules now. Of course. So this is kind of you got to start to get used to the, what's going on here, and to me. I think there's going to be returns everywhere this year. I, I think that there's going to be returns out to the – I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. The field position is going to be ridiculous this year. Well, because year. It, it favors the receiving team there's immensely. There's no question. There's no question. So I think it's more imperative that now that you have a kicker that says, okay, listen, Aldrich, you need to kick this out of the end zone. They need to get the ball at the 25-yard line. I don't want them to get, to, to get a they, return. Yeah. So the mentality of a special teams now is starting to flip again. It's just this constant, like they've changed the rules a couple of years ago where the kickoff, and, and now they changed it to, to the 25-yard line a few years ago. Now, it to me, it sounds like the, the return game is going to be just highlighted. You're going to be all over the place. So now you go back to the kicker and say, listen, kick it out of the end zone. I need 25-yard line. It's a game of strategy even more now. Right. It's like a, it's like a, like a video game now. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, that's what it has to become. You've got to be computerized in your brain. Hey, I've got to do everything I can to make sure that I put it in a place that gives my guys an opportunity to get down the field, too. I think that you're really going to see it um, during the preseason games. It's going to be interesting to watch that kickoff and that kickoff return and how it works. um, Just because and then also the helmet rule and all the other new stuff that's going to come about. Well, and I think even to add on to that, you know, just the the decision making that coaches have to think about with respect to going for it on fourth down, perhaps being a little bit more aggressive because of how much a special teams play can come back to bite you, Jeff. And maybe you feel, you know what? With the way my defense is playing, yeah. why don't we at least try to continue the drive as opposed to flip the field the opposite way? I mean, I think those are things that at least some coaches are going to think twice about. Well, a few weeks ago, John and I were on the show, and we had the gentleman from Pro Football Focus, and we were talking about the fourth down percentages and how some teams, you know, you look at the um, the Eagles. They were they went for it. Very aggressive. I mean, very yeah. aggressive on fourth down, and they actually were, were very good at it. I think just off the top of my – from memory – the Giants were successful on 38%. I'm, don't don't quote me on this, but I, from what I remember, 38% of those fourth down tries, which, by the way, sounds like it might be good, but that's really bad. Compared to some of the other teams that have actually go for it more on fourth down, they were above 50, 60%. So, um, and it's just a matter of, like you said, it's a strategy when it comes to this stuff. We're going to open up the phone lines here in a second at 201-939-4513. One other thing related to the receiving core, Tyke Tolbert, the new Giants receivers coach, spoke to the media yesterday, Jeff. And the one thing he mentioned in Pat Shermer's offense that they're emphasizing compared to what went on with Ben McAdoo is they want every receiver to learn every single position. They don't just tell the receiver, okay, Odell, you're on the outside. Shepard, you're in the slot. They want everybody to learn every position because they feel the more versatile receivers they have, the more guys that know to play inside and outside will keep the defense on its toes. And that's a little bit different than what we saw last season when mostly personnel was utilized in specific spots. Well, a few things. Number one, yeah, it's way different from learning just one position, X to Y to Z, whatever it is. The other thing is, is that in the in the previous offenses, receivers were were counted on knowing how to read the defense, and where you know, and so they had to they had to be on the same page as the quarterback. So you know, rather than audibling at the line of scrimmage, as long as the quarterback and the receivers saw the type of coverage that the defense was playing, that play. You're going to have to know that if you had a four route, you're now going to run a six route. Okay, so that kind of was a was a lot of work for for the receivers. Now, 
I see the advantage of having somebody play each position also is the fact that number one for matchups, but number two is for for injuries. So if you got if you're if you have a if you're heavy at the X and you get a couple Z guys that go down, there's not a there's not a learning curve anymore. So yeah. we can take Cody Latimer and move him X to Y to Z, whatever you want to do, and then because you, you've learned all positions. So that's and the guys I, feel comfortable in those spots too. And I also believe that if you are a Z, okay, and you're an X receiver or you're a slot guy, whatever it is, and you're learning everybody's position, how much better are your routes going to be knowing? That you know what the Z or the Y is in the, and the X is doing because you know the positions. So if you got to go out and, and you're at six yards and you're gonna you're gonna turn it inside for an inside route, you know that the other receiver is running over the top of you. You better sh- make sure that you know that guy's gonna be eight yards in front of you. It's I just think it makes the route tree and the route running so much better, and that's that's a good thing for those guys. No, I agree wholeheartedly, and I found it very interesting what Ty Tober was saying because it's funny. Reporters were constantly sort of asking the same thing. Oh, Odell Beckham looks great in the slot, and this guy looks great on the outside. So he He's like, up on it. we're moving guys around. You know, we're not just looking for what one guy could do inside. We want everybody to know every which way, upside down, of this offense. And 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 also know some of the receivers, particularly Odell Beckham, is going to learn how to play receiver from the backfield too, because you know we've seen him go in the backfield before and run yeah. routes like that too. So that's something that he has to get. And I, I know we haven't, I haven't, the times that we've been on the show here, haven't talked much about Odell. Um, just from everything that I've seen and read about the training camp that's going on, um, he's got his, he's got his, you know, he's got that focus. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, you see him and Eli throwing balls after practice. That's a good thing. I see the leadership kind of stepping in there. He's correcting guys, showing them, you know, this is what we do here and there. Um, I think collectively, as the team goes, I, I believe that the leaders are kind of taking taking a little bit of step up here. That you can see kind of where it's at, and that's a. I just think it's a good thing for this team and, and getting everybody on the right page and um, and building that chemistry that that we talk about all the time. Um, you need it. You need it in the locker room more than anything. And this team last year was broke there. It was there. There was no chemistry in that locker room. There was a lot of just you know just a lot of divided people. Um, I read an article about the offensive linemen, and I mean these guys are hanging out. They're they're going to dinner together. They got um, you know got Hernandez bringing donuts in. That's old school right there, by the way. You know the old <laughs> donut deal. I mean the years and years ago, the rookies were always responsible for bringing in donuts during the season. I mean you go back to Strahan, he got in fight with guys for they were like you know they didn't bring the donuts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean though that was stuff that if you were a rookie and you didn't bring the donuts, number one you are in trouble. Number two you're in you're in the doghouse for a while. And uh, so I think I just love to see the camaraderie starting to take take place and along the team definitely a different feel around the team yeah I, I think you yeah. could say that from many different fronts the other thing that I wanted to throw out just about the receiving core before we open up the lines the other thing that Tyke Tober was emphasizing to the media Jeff and, and this is why practice highlights are great and it's great to see the guys that make the sexy yeah, catches and this and that but you know what he says is and this was also interesting they go back they watch the film for every practice as you noted sure. Jeff and they're seeing wide receivers win their individual battles on the opposite side of the field that have nothing to do with, with the, the catch play. that was made on the right side. And he goes, you know, those guys jump out to us too. 
they may not jump out to the naked eye of the media you or the, the fan. Correct, because you follow the ball. Exactly. But he was saying that he's seen a lot of players win their individual battles on the opposite side of the ball, and that's been encouraging, especially in the development of a lot of these young players. Also, and that's just in the passing game. So remember, in the run game, you're, an, also, you're, actually, you're actually looking at the receivers and seeing how they're blocking. So that's another facet of, of being in, in that position uh, as a wide receiver. Not only do you have to catch the ball, you got to learn how to block. And, um, again, that's, a, that's, that's something that these coaches – you know, they, if you're ever in a meeting room, you, you'll probably get dizzy the first time you're in there because the plays go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> I mean, it's just over and over and back and back and back. And what their coach is doing is he's looking at – he's looking at – let's just say there's three wides in the, in the practice – they're looking at this guy, this guy, this guy, back and forth, back and forth. Then they're done with him. Then they're going to go to the slot guy, and it's back and forth, back and forth. So by the time the whole play is over, you've seen you've it back and forth, back times. and forth at least 125 yeah. times that that play has gone. Why do you think people, uh, the players, uh, they remember plays so well? Because not only do they, they, they run it themselves, <laughs> it's just – They've watched it a hundred times too. Oh my god! They've watched it a million times. But the the teaching point here is that if you are watching that a million times, you've seen what this guy's doing good and what he's doing bad, and you got to make sure that you don't do it. And the next time that they watch you. All right, let's open up the phone lines two zero one nine three nine four five one three hashtag Giants chat line three Atticus is in the Poconos. Atticus, what's happening? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Very good, Atticus. What do you got for us? So, you know, great introduction, guys, and I'm sitting here listening to you covering every topic that I wanted to bring up, and uh, you answered the do. questions <laughs> before I could answer. That's, just, could that's, ask that's how Lance and I work. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's good. And then we hopefully, while you're listening to us and we're answering your questions, you're thinking of more, Atticus. That's all we can say. <laughs> well, I am. I am. And I listen every day, so it's good to um, – to call in and, and, and be a part of the show today. Sure. Oh, glad but to have you I wanted to bring up something that you started talking about. First of all, I'm a lifelong New York football Giants fan, bleed blue, and I'm, I try to each year go into the season not using my deep blue lenses. It's sometimes difficult because I always want them to go all the way, but I have to be realistic in my approach and my expectations. Sure. In the past few years, I'm going to say at least the past Five out of seven years, it seems like we lead the league in injured players going on injured reserve. And I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know what other teams are doing who are doing a better job of keeping players healthy. I think the last time we had a really good nucleus of our starters in place was back in like 2011. Um, I think one other time. Well, 2016 wasn't bad. 16 when they won 11 games and made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. The team was relatively yeah. healthy that year. Right. And then a part of the conditioning and staying healthy throughout the year ties directly into the chemistry that you guys were talking about. And I got high expectations, too. Like, I think offensively, we've got a lot of great weapons in place, some new people who don't have NFL experience yet, but I think they'll do well. On defense, I've got some questions, particularly in the secondary, but mostly because I don't know that we've developed any type of chemistry for us to go beyond being probably an 8-8 eight and eight team. I want more, but when I look at this through an objective set of lenses as opposed to my deep blue lenses, I don't know how much I can expect, and I'd just like to hear you guys' thoughts on that. All right, Atticus. Well, appreciate the phone call. One thing I did Mm -hmm. want to add before we answer your question is if you go back to last year, Jeff, when they had so many injuries, the Giants, you know, 
people bring up, is it conditioning, is it diet, is it so what? A lot of those injuries, though, to me, didn't reflect lack of conditioning. For example, Odell Beckham and the ankle injury, hit. you know, that, that's not like a hamstring no. injury or something else, uh, Janoris Jenkins. We're talking about broken bones here yeah. for most of the injuries last year. I, I think Landon that Collins, forearm. It's, 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 a, it's a rash. It's, it changes every year. Um, you know, sometimes the injury of the year is X, you know, high ankle sprain. It's the next thing you know, they got nine guys that get high. It's just really yeah. a, a funny trend. And I think because that we're big, blind, big blue fans and Giants fans, that we were kind of hyper focused on this, this what's going on with our own team. We seem to, to get lost in the shuffle as far as what's going on around the league. It happens to every team. Just unfortunately, a few teams get more than their share. And that's what been with the Giants last year. Um, if, if I was to point anything with conditioning, I don't think that has anything to do with it these days because in the off season, in the way that the game is played now, the nutrition that every team has a nutritionist. These guys are, are hydrated. They've got they've got things in their shoulder pads that are tracking them GPS. That has nothing to do with injuries. I mean, the conditioning now. Back in the day when guys used to come into training camp to get in shape, I think that had a lot to do with. But nowadays, I think guys are in such great shape in the offseason conditioning program that I don't think that that has anything to do with it. Yeah, they go out, they work with their own individualized coaches right. when they break apart from the team. There's so much specialized training and conditioning now, and the technology, to your point, Jeff, has changed yeah. immensely. I mean, they can monitor you to the point where they know if you're in shape or not. I mean, all they got to do is prick your finger and run the blood test and see if the lactic acid in your body, how, how good it is and how fast your heart rate responds. Um, th th I don't think that has anything to do with it. Now, not to say that some guys aren't in great shape and they don't take care of their bodies and they don't – because I, I know that they – I know there are a lot of guys that just, you know, they don't really care what they eat. They don't really care how much they drink. They just they – just, they just, you know, they're kind of the, oh, I'm okay. I've already been able to do this. But eventually that catches up to you. Those are the exceptions for only so long. Yeah, because those routines, like you said, can't necessarily take you throughout an entire career. Now, back to the caller's question about you know the outlook, the expectations for this team. He mentioned you well, know eight and eight. That. Can they get better than that? Listen, the NFC East. First of all, we have to preface this before we get into this is just a wacky and wild division. Well, you've I think you've brought this up on the program before about the uh, the over time. Every year there's a new correct winner. Haven't had nine years, is it? So even more since the early 2000s, the Eagles won four in a row. Since then, back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. So that fact alone means, yes, the Eagles should be considered the favorites. Of course. Okay. They, won the they Super are Bowl. by far the most stacked team, I think, on paper, yeah. and the nucleus is coming back. So the Eagles should be the favorite. That's understandable. But we've seen freaky and crazy things happen where the favorite doesn't necessarily always pan out over the course of 16 games. I, and I said this on it before. I, I know that this team right now, we all get caught up in, oh, they're looking great, and everybody's, you know, the, the team is they're coming together and this and that. But I, I just – all I wanted you to do is, is draw a – Draw a line at the middle of the schedule and look at those first eight games of the season. Tough. And know that that is a very difficult schedule for a 3-13 and 13 team with the brand-new staff. About 50% of the roster has turned over here. So, I mean, yeah, be optimistic, but also be realistic in the sense that you got to understand this is still a team that has a long ways to go. And I'm not saying that they can't do good things, 
but I would I would err on the side that they're going to be a little bit in a rebuilding mode. I mean, they kind of want to win now kind of thing. I think that's that's kind of – it just depends on what you think win now and rebuilding is. Rebuilding to me is they clean the roster out and, and you're kind of – you know, you're, that Giants aren't rebuilding in a sense. I think re- retooling they're is probably retooling a, a better term. They still have a quarterback that's ready to – has one or two years left on him. they got to get the mileage out of him. They get Saquon Barkley. They get a – you know, so they went out and got some good free agency. So, to me, yeah, they're, they're rebuilding in a sense, but it is kind of a retooling, as you say. Well, I think we're going to be able to tell a lot about the offense in the first quarter of this season, Jeff. And the reason yes. I bring that up is because they're going up against – good defenses to start the season. Right. So if the offense can handle its business especially in the early stages one. of the season, <laughs> especially week one, of course, home against Jacksonville, but I'm even going a little further. At Houston, okay. you know, J.J. Watt, Jadavian oh, yeah. Clowney, back yeah. to full health. Those guys you need to take into consideration. And, you know, do not sleep on the Saints defense, which I think has come a long way over the last few seasons. That's now a balanced New Orleans team. Yeah, it's no longer... Be, used to be a, just a horrible... It, it used to be offense. Drew Brees go out there, score 45, yeah. and let's hope we win a game. Right. The Don Nelson school of thought in the NBA. <laughs> we're going to outscore everybody. We're not necessarily going to stop anybody. Right. So... Right there, three teams, you know, and Dallas could be hit or miss. A lot of young guys on that team. They got a pass rushing to Marcus Lawrence and company, but I, I think they've got some proving to do. So that's why I think three of the four, you could say on paper, look good. Whereas if the offense is able to get in the end zone, put up consistent points, you know, then I think they'll feel good about themselves that, hey, if we could do it against Jacksonville, we could do it against Houston, there's no reason why we can't do it against the rest right. of the teams in our division. As far as the defense is concerned, I mean, look at the quarterbacks they're going up against this season, Jeff. You don't really have a gimme type of game. And, you know, you want to say, well, Blake Bortles is an up-and-down quarterback. That's fine. But you have guys that have helped their teams get to the playoffs he's and have been there the and done one, that. He's probably the only one on that list. I mean, Dak Prescott, okay. But the guy still, he's a starter. He's a good player. Um, he's better than Blake Bortles. We know yep. that. I mean, and then all of a sudden you go down the list here. Yeah, really? Deshaun Watson did not play a lot as a rookie, got hurt, but still a dynamic talent. Drew Brees, Cam, Nick Foles, or Carson Wentz. It really makes this, no difference at this, at this point. point. Gonna be and we're up to or, week six. Uh, yeah. You would assume Wentz is ready yep. to go. Matt Ryan, Alex Smith. Yep. Then you get the bye. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jameis Winston's going to be back for week 11. Wentz again. Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. Uh, still inexperienced, second year in the league. But who knows what he's going to look like, though, Jeff, by week 13. Yeah. You're going to talk about now you've got a full season under your belt because he would have played the entire first half of the season. Alex Smith, Marcus Mariota, Andrew Luck, who's looked good so far in camp, and then Dak again. Once again, <laughs> I mean, you're not going up against, at least on paper as it stands right now. Now, people are going to call up and gonna tell me, well, who knows what the hell the... Redskins going to look like in week 14, and injuries may play a role. I get that, but if we're just going to judge the schedule as it stands well, right now. look at the now, first quarter. Okay, these right here. You got, you know, the, what you, you got Blake Bortles. Bortles, Dak, Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees. Okay. So, you know, tough test for the defense, and I'm not saying it based on just individual stats. Watson's a mobile quarterback, okay? So with him, you're going to have to account for the run. Blake Bortles is a mobile quarterback. You have to account for his legs as well. Dak is a mobile quarterback. Yep. You have to account for that. Drew is really the first guy that's solely a pocket passer of the first four games. Yep, yep, and he'll move the pocket a little bit too. You know what's ironic about this uh, schedule, if you look at it, the Giants, other than the first, the second and the third game, they have a home and then a way away. Every single all game after that yeah. is alternating. That's a good point. I have never seen that before. I remember looking over the schedule. I said the same thing. Normally they've had two straight home games, something, two straight right? road games or something like that, but very rare that so you get every back other and week, forth and back and forth. every other week there's going to be a home game. 
That's yeah. pretty cool. So that means the, the the I guess the Jets would have to be very similar to the schedule. Absolutely. I mean, as far as the, or well, also the way that it works is, and I didn't look at the jet schedule that carefully, but sometimes you don't really care about the jet well, schedule. I'm not saying that, but I don't. <laughs> you're putting the words in my mouth. Lance doesn't care about the jet schedule. <laughs> I, well, for my other gigs, I think I got to pay attention slightly. You do, but for this, the, for, for this, for this, for this purposes, job, yes. For, as we say, for this exercise, for this no, exercise, you don't no. care about the jet schedule. Point well taken in terms of that. But what we've seen in the past is, you know, sometimes the Giants will play a Monday night or a Thursday oh, night game, right. and the yeah. Jets could still be home that's right. because the stadium could be turned around quickly. So sure. that I didn't look at. I know there were a few times in the last few seasons where they've had, you know, the Giants play Sunday, the Jets play Monday night, right. or vice versa. Yeah, or a Monday And both teams are home. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. They're still playing the Thursday night games. They're huh? still playing the Thursday night games. Get set. Actually, speaking of that. I'm glad you brought that up. Football's oh. officially back tonight. Is there a game on? Like, There's really, the I, Hall of Fame game tonight. Oh, wow. So the Hall of Fame Bears speeches Ravens. are tonight. No, no, the Hall of Fame speeches are Saturday. Oh. But remember that year, about two years ago, the Hall of Fame speeches were Saturday. Games usually Sunday yeah. night. So if you remember, I don't. it was a game involving the Packers. Sunday night, they start preparing the field, and it was sticky. On the field, That's and the right. field From was it was stuff. rock hard. Yeah. It yeah. was peeling apart. Right. So they looked over, and the players said, "There's no way we're getting hit on the ground." That's and true. they canceled the game. Right. So what they decided now was we're going to have the game of before course. the ceremony, which makes 100 percent sense. So oh. then, after the game's done, then you put the covering down, you put the chairs, and you have the whole ceremony. So that's why the game is now Thursday night. Interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, we, everybody loves to play five preseason games, anyways, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you look forward to the extra punts he got in the uh, fifth preseason game, hated right? Him. Hated him. <laughs> hated him. They, you know, and and really, you, you have to go to you get you go to camp a week early because of it. That's true. <laughs> That's right. So your camp is elongated. Well, hey, the Giants experienced that a few years ago when yeah. what Strahan, the year Strahan was inducted. Right. They yeah, had so we the to, yeah. Hall of Fame preseason yeah. game yep, against Buffalo, if I'm correct. It was against Buffalo. Yep. I remember I went to that. And uh, because Ray Guy was getting inducted. That That's year. right. I remember that. You had actually connections to just about everybody in that class. Oh, my God. Because I remember yeah. I had you on my serious show. Yeah. We sort of reminisced about yeah. everybody. We had Aeneas Williams. Correct. With uh, the Cardinals. Yeah. And then we had, uh, of course, Michael. And then we had um, the, the left tackle for um, uh, Jones, uh, Walter Jones. Walter Jones for the Seahawks. Um, That's right. And then there might have been one other one in yeah, that Yeah, there was class. at least you knew four or five or members of teammates. that class easily. They were my teammates. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a very unique class. Crazy. Yeah. And all the punters went out there. Yeah, we had like 25 of them. Nice. That was great. That was cool. It was a really fun time. So Dave, our producer, has done some heavy lifting in terms of research, Jeff, because I know how animated you are about the jet schedule. So he says they actually have a very sporadic schedule. Weeks five through seven, they have three straight home games, and then they have back-to-back road games three different times. So it's actually not not similar to the Giants. Interesting. Yes. Good. So there you go. Oh, I'm well. sure Sorry. everybody listening and watching now feels relaxed, feels much better about themselves. <laughs> and we now know that, 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 that down Lance the Jets doesn't really care about the Jets either. <laughs> and that Dave just put that up for me, not for Lance. Exactly. He only care. for you. He's only here to meet your needs. Absolutely. I mean, I'm an afterthought when it comes to this program. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Line four, we got Pete on Staten Island. Pete, what's happening? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Jeff, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Pete? Ah, good, good, man. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you want to go out for a couple of calzones today, Beth? Oh, yeah. That's, no, I had two last night. I can't have any more, huh? Uh, <laughs> reach your limit already. Yeah. Oh, I love God, it. I love it. I love it, Pete. Uh, how are you guys doing? Listen, uh, first off, Jeff, uh, first off, uh, well, it's on, Jeff. 
Uh, we uh, picked up a, an offensive tackle yesterday. Uh, what's his name? From the uh, Cleveland Browns. Right. He what's was his cut. name? Sulaco? Yeah. Um, You're asking me to you pronounce the name? Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, really? You're going to get, okay, well, look, at, I think that. Uh, yeah, Victor Sulaco. Right. 6'6", 335. Yeah, he's got a, a very um, big frame. Yeah. All right. Has he ever played? It, well, he's been on practice. I know he was on uh, the Eagles practice squad, right? And then uh, Well, and then he was with lead. Cleveland, as I mentioned. And then Cleveland just recently let him go, and that's how the Giants were able to claim him. Okay, but he's never... He's actually never played an NFL snap, am I right? He's been, like, with the practice squad Well, he was cut in camp by the Eagles last year and then signed back to their practice squad. They released him in mid-September, and then the Browns signed him to their practice squad in late October, and that's where he finished the season. Yes, so to answer your question, he has never appeared in a regular season game. Okay, at the very least, I mean, listen, we need warm bodies at this point, so it doesn't that's really That's one matter. way to look at it. <laughs> you know, anything for depth. If you're breathing, pick them up, you know, at this point, uh, for debt purposes. Um, you know, first off, do you agree with that? Because I have to imagine the pickings are going to be slim. Well, right? I mean, I at don't think there's any time, crime. Yeah. I agree with you, Pete. I don't think there's any crime in scouting talent that's let go and bringing them in. But, I mean, keep in mind, he has not been with the Giants the entire spring period. He's now first right. learning the playbook. And I think they're really not going to tell what he could do until they put him in a preseason game. But, yeah, at this point, you got 90 men on the roster. There is no right. crime in trying to get the best 90 players that you think right now you're capable of getting and let the best man win out. But I still think the guys that have been in camp, in fairness, and have been here all spring have a significant leg up on him given the fact that they're much more acclimated to the playbook. Plus, yeah, I could, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but I understand, and, uh, and, you know, listen, from what I've been reading and what you guys have been saying, um, you know, so far anyway, uh, Mr. Wheeler and Mr. Beckton have not been really having good camps since we, well, at least since we put the pads on. Would that be accurate? Well, I think that Lorenzo Carter has looked really good, and when he's been going up against the second unit, you know, we've seen a lot of penetration. Barwin even was going up against the second team, and, you know, you put a seasoned vet who's entering year number 10 in the NFL, and you put him against a second-year offensive tackle. Yeah, Connor Barwin should win those battles. A second-year undrafted tackle. Better point, even. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think at times they certainly, you know, have – had some struggles with some of the veteran defensive linemen and need some of the young guys, but it's also a small sample size. And, you know, I like to wait and see what happens in the preseason games before I jump to conclusions about players and their upside. But one thing I will say is, as Pat Shermer mentioned, he does love the fact that guys, whether they're on the first unit or the second unit, they're going out there, they're competing every day. Sure. And that's what he noted specifically about Wheeler and Becton. They're competing. They may not be winning their okay. battles every single down, but the guys are going out there and they're embracing the competition, which is what you want to see. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you don't mind, I have one other uh, question for you. Um, and this pertains to uh, Davis Webb. Um, has he been getting reps with the first unit also? And I'll, and I'll ask you, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this. Um, has he been getting the first unit uh, reps? No. I have seen him mostly with the second team. Eli's mainly been in with the first team. Yeah. The only reps he would get, Pete, is if if, if Eli was, you know, over there at the drinking fountain or talking to or Coach to, Or got a day off for or, some yeah, reason or something, or something like, like that. that. But, yeah. you know, right now, the, 
Eli needs all the reps he can get with that offensive line, first team, and his yep. receivers, and Saquon and, and everybody else. Right, and the only reason that I brought it up is is because, you know, um, I happen to feel, and I, you know, certainly I'm no coach or whatever, but I happen to feel that if Davis were to, and I'm sure, you know, at some point, maybe even in the preseason, you will see him with the first team. But if, God forbid, something happens to Eli, at least Davis will have played with the first unit a few times, and the guys would have gained some sort of confidence in his abilities. You uh, follow what I'm saying? I mean, it kind of makes sense to me. I don't know. Well, the only the only time you're going to see Davis Webb is when Eli is not in uniform on the sideline in the preseason. Okay. I mean, I, I if both of them are uh, suited up. And they're going to play. Eli's going to play. He's going to play with that first team. Yeah. And then Eli's coming out. Okay. Or there might be a situation um, where Coach Shermer says, "Listen, I'd like to get this offensive line to play a little bit more. I don't need Eli to be in there. So Davis, you're going to get it some maybe maybe a half a quarter or something with the first team. That's probably you might see that. But I don't. You know, I just don't see him going out as a starter with the first team and Eli unless Eli was was going to not play the game. Yeah, I agree with Jeff, Pete. And the other thing to keep in mind is even if he is in with some of the first-team offensive linemen, I don't even know if he'd have the entire five-man front, but if he had some of them, that doesn't mean, though, that the number one wide receivers are going to be in, Jeff. So he'd still be working with the players that he's thrown to more in practice than necessarily Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. Now, the one thing I will tell you that – because – and if you think it makes sense, so if you're if you're Davis Webb, how? And I see what your 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 question here makes sense. How is Davis Webb going to get some experience with the ones in case anything ever happened, right? And so, and if in the way he's not getting any snaps with the ones in practice, which is true, these guys get a lot of individual snaps, okay, when they do one on ones, okay, because the receivers are out there, they're kind of mixing through. So. Davis Webb is going to get a chance to throw to Odell Beckham every once in a while against the one-on-one matchups when they're doing one-on-one drills. Okay, so it's not like Davis Webb never throws to OBJ or anybody of those other guys. They do them in the drills, but just in 11-on-11 stuff, it doesn't happen that often. Okay, so even in the preseason, you don't see him with the – well, he might be with a scattered first Correct. Team, scattered, yeah. Maybe not, uh, That's maybe not Sterling on the field. Evan and or OBJ. Correct. Yeah, he may be with a few pieces of the first team. The other thing you got to understand, and most teams find this challenging when their starter goes down, there's only so many reps during the course of the week in practice and even in training camp for the first team to be out there, Pete. So that's why with Eli Manning and this being a new offense, this is not necessarily the time of the year where you're thinking, well, you know, we also want to give Davis Webb some looks in case as an insurance policy when Eli needs as many reps as possible right now because it's a brand new offense if this was year 10 of the offense then maybe you know they would say to themselves all right let's have maybe Davis take a few more reps with the first team but there's limited snaps to begin with most teams don't have the luxury to do that case in point Pete if you remember when Patrick Mahomes started for Alex Smith in week 17 Mm -hmm. the Chiefs they already locked up a playoff spot they were like all right let's see what the rookie can do yeah, he may have gotten some reps at practice, but the only reason being is because they knew they didn't have anything to play for. So they had that luxury. If it was a normal week, I like that luxury. They were not going to take Alex Smith out from under center. I got you. I got yeah. you. And I got news for you, Mahomes. I saw him throw from his knees. I, I saw him throw a 60 yard dot. <laughs> uh, he's got a hell of an arm. He does. Yeah. Unbelievable. All, All right, right, Pete. Listen, Thank you, Pete. A lot. You got hey, it. Jeff. 
next time. How you doing? Hey, I got gotcha, you, Pete. Maybe meet you at the stadium. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Pete. Appreciate the phone call. By the way, Let- Tiger's in second place. You know, this is a golf show. Oh, too. okay. All right. Well, what is it? The WGC, right? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bridgestone Classic. Just wanted to make sure I get the right. He's two shots back. Tiger. Two shots back. Okay. See that you never know what will update you here on Big Blue Kickoff uh, Live. Know, right? We we may give you even some news and notes from NBA free agency. Even I mean, though listen, that there's, died there's, down. there's 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 callers and viewers of our show that are golf guys, and Absolutely. we all kind of want And there's Tiger callers and viewers that also can multitask like you. Absolutely. They can follow golf uh, as well greatest. as host the show, I was just, which is it extremely impressive. It was just impressive. a post on Twitter, so it's not like I'm following well, I'm, golf. I see. I was going to try to give you a little bit more credit. Now you're selling yourself short. Okay. All right. I'm actually have golf up here and talking and doing the show. No, just kidding. Let's head back to the lines. Let's go to line one, Angelo in Cincinnati. Angelo, what's happening? Hi, Angelo. How you doing, guys? Doing well, Angelo. What do you got for us? I'm doing all right. First time caller. Try to do this. Um, Very nice. I'm actually calling because I know we just picked off offensive tackles um, off waivers. What's the theory on that? Like, if, if – if we pick somebody up off waivers from uh, another team and another team released them, what's the purpose of, let's say, the Giants picking them up? Well, they feel that they could upgrade the roster overall. I mean, I think Dave Gettleman made it clear he is always with his scouting team looking for better talent. And if those players become available, Pat Shermer even went into detail. What happens is the scouting department lets the coaching staff know, hey, this player is somebody we've been monitoring. He's now out on the market. The coaching staff then weighs in, gives their thoughts on the player, and they determine whether or not that truly is an upgrade because maybe they feel they want an extra offensive lineman in camp and they have enough depth at another position and they're willing to make that sacrifice. You also have to understand, Angelo, too, that when one comes, one goes. So that's basically... Okay. So the, with the roster, you always have something going on. So there, if there's a guy that, for instance, that gets hurt and is put on IR, then that opens up a roster spot, then the teams can go and find another guy on waivers or whatever and bring a guy in, okay? So with this signing, okay. I don't know, the Giants had to get rid of somebody unless they had a... Sometimes they carry <laughs> an open spot, but, you know... Yeah, they got rid of Jerron Jones as a result of bringing in the offensive line. There you go. Yep. Okay. Well, I know know Charlie and Maine is extremely happy that we got it. Oh, you kidding me? He's doing backflips right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, here, keep this in mind, though. Keep this in mind, Angel. He knows nothing about that offensive lineman. See, that's the funny thing. He doesn't know the guy if he walked past him in the street, but he's an offensive lineman. He's got experience at tackle. Sign him up. Oh, I think it's so funny. Every time I listen to this show, I always tell my wife, I'm like, yo, the guys in New York are so funny, the podcast to listen to, because they abused this guy and is oh, well. so upset about Eric Flowers. And I know y'all just teasing him, but we it's are. so funny because I think personally, I, I think with Nate Soldier, I think that could really boost the confidence of Eric Flowers. Because I thought Eric Flowers did a better job last year than the previous years. You know, he went, what, nine weeks, then give up a holding call. You know, granted, Eli had to throw the ball really really quick, but I still think he, he did it better than what he did previous years. He did. I, I think that's a fair point. If you do look at the penalty log, he was playing clean football for the majority of the second half last season. And, you know, whether you love him or not, that's well documented. That's a fact. We're not just making that up to make a certain player look good. The truth is he was well disciplined in terms of the lack of penalties in the second half of last season. Yeah. And, and one more point, guys, and I'll, I'll take this off the air. I know we have a lot to I know we have a lot of players we can throw the ball to, but I'm really high on Sterling Shepard. I'm always listening to um how everyone speaks so highly about him. Shermer is do you think we have the ability to have two receivers 
for a thousand yards? Well, we had we had this discussion. I think it'll be really close. I think it will be really really close because, um, you know, obviously if Odell is here and healthy and everything, he's going to get the mother load of, of of all the the receiving yards and things like that. You also have to think about Evan Ingram too in there. So, you know, there's a lot. You got to yeah. spread it around. But um, I, I I I think there's a possibility. But I almost I almost envision that maybe Evan Ingram will get the thousand over. And this is, I, I, I think that you that, put him number two on yeah, the list, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I really do. Well, I mean, the other thing you have to take into consideration, and we talked a lot about this, Angelo, and appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. If you remember, Jeff, when Brandon Marshall was signed last year, everybody was starting to speculate, oh, there's going to be multiple 1,000-yard guys, and clearly then the injury yeah. bug struck. I get that, but I'm going based on what the Vikings did, and Pat Shermer is a coach who respects the run and feels balanced offense is important. So I'm anticipating if you run the ball more, it's going to be less throws, yep. less opportunities, and therefore I can see Beckham getting 1,000, and then I can see somebody getting 850. Yeah, somewhere around. 850 I don't think okay. is crazy. Yeah. That I think is, is fair. I'm looking at the Vikings just as a means of comparison. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen had nearly 1,300 yards. Stephon Diggs, their number two receiver, which would be the comparison 50. to Sterling Shepard, had 849. Okay, there you go. So, and then look at then Kyle Rudolph. But then a significant drop-off, though, yeah. 532. But I think Kyle Rudolph is not the same player as Evan Ingram. That's fair. Um, so I think it'll be tough. I don't think it's tough to get two 1,000 receivers in this. In this. It's a good question. It is a great question, it, just in terms of the distribution. And that's it's the same thing why I feel that Saquon Barkley, Jeff, I would be surprised. Listen, if he does, it's fantastic. If he gets 80 receptions like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, because my feeling is I think there's a lot more targets around him than what Carolina was working with and what the Saints were working with. So that's my logic in terms of, yeah, I think he'll have a good rookie year, but to expect him to do exactly what those two guys did in terms of total receptions. 50? I think he can maybe get a little bit over that. Maybe more towards 60 I think is reasonable for him. 80, though, I, I think is a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. Oh, I think that's way stretch. Yeah. Especially, well, yeah. and the reason I'm bringing that because up is only because of what all those other rookies did yeah. last year. And a lot of people are like, well, wait a minute. If Kamara and McCaffrey could do that, just think about what Barkley is going to do that. Yeah, but yeah. Carolina. They don't have on the team exactly. Here. Carolina had Kelvin Benjamin. They traded him away to Buffalo. The receiving court, Greg Olson was hurt. I mean, McCaffrey turned in to be a huge target for Cam. I just don't see that happening, barring, of course, injuries. Let's head back to the phone lines. Line three, Dave's in Cranford. Dave, what's happening? How you guys doing? Doing well, Dave. How's things with you? We're doing great. Hey, Jeff, just to let you know when you're not here, uh, we were trying to talk about how challenging uh, Schmelk is because he needs to wear a hat on the on the field to kind of make a difference between him and Lance. And, <laughs> and I, I believe it was Lance that, that brought you up in that conversation, too. So I just wanted well, to let you know that that's... Hold on. Really? No, 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 no. Oh. Dave, oh, really? that, yeah, Dave, throw me under Uh-oh. the bus here. No, no, no. Okay. Let, I, I have a feeling no, 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 there's no, no, going to no. be some explanation Okay, there will be an explanation on. before okay. Dave will allow him kindly to continue Thank his you. phone call after he throws me under the bus. If my history, okay, is correct, <laughs> and we could go back to the videotape. Yeah, I just heard the thump. I was, I was crapping specifically on Schmelk, okay? okay then Paul brought up you as a means of comparison okay. so that he can okay. move up the depth chart in terms of the hair. Oh, and he said... Okay. 
I said I made the point to Paul because you know we we were going over the yeah. amount of hair. He said, "Well, he's certainly ahead of Schmelk," which I didn't disagree. <laughs> and then he brought up Jeff as a means of comparison to further elevate himself amongst BBKL hosts. That's that's right. how I recall the history going down. Dave. Interesting. I was I, just I, focusing I on Schmelk. Right, Paul brought up Jeff. Yes. Some people think that, that you and Schmelk sound alike, and and I don't I don't get it. So I don't neither do I. I don't get sure that either. But I don't know who those some people so. are. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you don't agree with the select majority, as I like to call them, Dave. I totally agree. Yes. I, I wanted to bring up two things, just in some of this that you guys have been talking about already, um, and and it's it's both the impact of of Shermer. Um, if you go back, I think as you guys have, Lance, you definitely have, and, and you look at his play calling in Minnesota. One of the things that you see is that he just puts a priority besides the running game. He just puts a priority on protection. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, I, I don't know that Flowers is going to ever fix some of his kind of fatal flaws at certain times. But what I can say this year is that um, they're not just going to leave him on an island if, if there are certain situations, like against Houston, and he's singled up with J.J. Watt or whatever. Shermer is more of a schemer where – He's going to do what he needs to do, whether it's another back in the in the backfield. And so I think you're going to see the impact of the line. I think you're going to just see that from a schematic standpoint and kind of supporting that. Makes sense. And, and then I think the other side to it was there was a play yesterday that got a lot of attention when um, Landon Collins intercepted, you know, in the two-minute drill. And if, if you look at it, you know, he's running down the other sideline, and, and there were two players chasing him. The one that got all the attention was Saquon. But if you look not far behind Saquon, who was Jason? Eric Flowers. And it <laughs> you was, sure he just wasn't was, in the right place? <laughs> just what, what's that, Jeff? I, sure you, I, I said, you sure he just wouldn't, didn't happen to be in, like, in the, in the vicinity, where he, ran, the vicinity about, yeah. where he ran by? No, no, but no, you know no, what? That's no. good. I'm glad. Yeah. If you go look at it, he was he running, was running yep. all the way across the field. And, and my point is, is that wow. I think Eric is the type of guy that's going to be influenced by the group around him. And when you see the impact of the rest of the line, Given great effort, um, I think he's gonna he's gonna see that, and he, and and I think you're gonna see him. You know, I think they're gonna get the most out of him that they can get out, and I and that's all you can ask from a player at the end of the day. But I I think you see that just in terms of of the overall scheme, and and just in terms of what that impact is, and I, and I think you know the guy takes a lot of flack. A lot of it was justified. But if he can come along this year and learn how to give, you know, great effort, he's still a six foot six, three hundred and twenty pound guy. You know, like he's got talent and and well, he's got size. I think the and, thing, you you know, have, yeah, and we're, you hit the nail on the head when you said effort. The effort's got to be there. Okay, I, I just don't know if the effort's been there in the past where we've been happy about it. The other thing is that um, two things. Number one, I think Nate Solder is going to help Eric Flowers. Okay, I think yep. he already has. The other thing is that if, if Eric Flowers wants to continue playing in the National Football League, he has to have a good year this year. Other than yep. that, no, he's never, his career is going to end. He will be a first-round bust. It will be on him whether he cares or not. But So there's a lot of things that are in his favor that he has to do and do it right in order to continue his career. And I think that they built some guys. They brought Nate in here to help him, not only to help the line, but he's, his leadership will help him. It, it already has, I think. And just seeing what you said, if him running down the field across, wouldn't have seen that last year or the year before. You know, he would have just no. said, oh, it's, a, it's practice, an interception in a two-minute drill, the game's over, the drills should be over, what am I going to do? I'm just going to stand I think, here. I think you're seeing that across the board. There was, a, there was another quick, I'll leave you with this, there was another quick play yesterday where, um, they came out with two running backs, a Quan in the backfield and a fullback, 
And then next thing you know, they split Saquon out wide, and he got singled up with OV, um, oh. and they threw Saquon a uh, you know a, a slant route that he that he did really well with. But the great part was you had the other fullback in there, you know, being able to block. So again, it's it's just the I think you're going to see a huge impact just on play design and scheme that's going to have a really you know positive no impact on the team. So you no guys question. have a great day. Thanks for taking my All right, call. Dave, appreciate the phone Thank call. You. The other thing I was going to add about Flowers is you know you brought up a good point, Jeff, about the motivation contract. Yeah. You know, wanting Gotta to earn it. another deal, whether it be here or elsewhere. He also has a brand new offensive line coach, Hal Hunter who yeah, was not with him in previous years. So if I'm Eric Flowers, you know, it goes back to this fresh slate yeah. that we were talking about okay. with everybody, Eli Apple, all these guys. Now I'm not working with coaches who have seen me battle through practice. Yeah. Let if, me make a good first impression on this new but, offensive line coach. Yeah, and if you, if you believe that I have a clean slate and I'm that guy and say, they've told me I have a clean slate and you're not going to bring anything up in the past, it's going to make me mad about you. And, you know, could you – and a lot of these guys, you know, they're kids still. I mean, Eric Flowers is still a young guy. You know, you got to kind of – but I think that, you know, Hal Hunter is a very established – a lot like a lot of the coaches on this staff that Pat Shermer brought in. They're all good coaches. They have a lot of experience. So I think that Hal is one of them that can, can help Eric Flowers. In. And I know Hal Hunter. He's a, He is a military guy. In fact, one of his sons is a Navy SEAL, for God's sakes. He is not – he will make you toe the line. So if there's a guy that you want as your coach to try to get somebody like Eric Flowers to total line, I want a military guy that's basically <laughs> yeah. going to be boom, 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 boom. That's the way you're going to do it or get out of here. That's what I like. Yeah. Well, I mean, that discipline that comes yeah, into that's play. That's it. That is huge. And some of these millennials, the younger players and stuff, the discipline kind of just it just goes out in one ear and out the other. Uh, I just think you got to have a guy that rules with an iron fist, as you as they say. Absolutely. In the cliche world. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three hashtag Giants chat. We've got to make this clear to our viewers and our listeners, Jeff. When you, don't you like bring the up no, no. <laughs> that because we're running theme. No, when you bring up Charlie's name on the show, he has the tendency to then call into the program. I don't know how many times well, we need to make this clear. At least we know he's listening. Well, yeah, but I think it's also his ears are burning, and yeah. he just has this philosophy or that is it, yeah, just he is being talked just, about consistently on the program, and then it. all of a sudden we're left with what we are right now, which is what I always say, the turning point to the program. Oh, we're out of time. Well, maybe. yeah, maybe we should conveniently wrap up the show. Well, let's hear what he has to say because it is big news. It's a big day since the Giants did claim an offensive lineman. So yeah. if there's anybody we have to hear their take, it's Charlie in Portland, Maine. And, and because Lance is on the show, see, he won't introduce you like Schmelk no, does with your little No, that will never happen. Show. I can guarantee you. As long as I'm sitting in this seat, that will never happen. I got a bad feeling about this. Hey, yeah. hey Jeff. I, oh, actually, I thought it was John. You sound so much like Oh, John, wow. Man. Look at this. The clever humor. <laughs> Look, he's digging deep into his bag of comedy. You could tell. Get, get an empty in that bag. Nice yeah, yeah. We, you know, this offensive line guy that we just picked up. I read about him a little bit. The guy actually has technique, and he actually can punch. That's what Pro Football Focus graded oh, him there at, you go. saying that he can actually punch. He's got technique. Uh, of course, this guy is not competing for the right tackle position, the number one position. He's really competing to be the backup, to be in the second team. <clears throat> and is this guy better than Jones, who was a defensive tackle, trying to be an offensive tackle? He definitely is. Is he better than Eric Flowers? 
Uh, he might be. There's actually, a lot of hesitation. He in probably that. won't get the chance, but. Um, so we'll see what happens. But we still need a veteran tackle to compete with Mr. Flowers. And the thing is, we, you know, this is the way I look at it. On the left side of our line, we've got, we've got somebody that's actually riding a uh, Tour de France bike. On the right side, we've got a guy with a tricycle. You know, that's what we got for the right tackle. He's, he's on a tricycle, and we have to babysit for him and make sure we have somebody there to help him, which is better than what, what uh, McAdoo did because he never helped him at all. But I'd rather have a guy who at least is riding a bike. He doesn't have to have the Tour de France bike, but he should be riding a two-wheel bike, not a tricycle. Yeah, but Charlie, so, you, you keep bringing that up. If there was a veteran out there, that they is, felt, and we'll is. use your parallel, that he's riding a bicycle, then don't you think <laughs> that player would have been brought in over a younger guy that maybe is not as much of a proven commodity? They Clearly, there must be upside in some of these other younger players that they see that they'd rather see go out and compete with Flowers as opposed to a veteran. Well, the upside is right now we have no cap space, but we will be having some cap space when they sign Odell. We should get a couple million, and I, and I think there's going to be another player on our team who's going to be restructuring his contract, so we might be able to do a trade and get uh, Rick Wagner from the Lions. That's what I hope and see is going to happen in the next few days. We'll find out, but we, I, know, I know Gettleman knows we need depth at the O-line, at the tackle position. He knows that. He's not happy about it. And so I think he's actually going to do something about it. So that's what I'm hoping that that's going to happen. And the first topic that I wanted to talk oh, about, you guys oh, were another talking topic. about, wow. I'll make it quick. You guys were talking about wide receivers learning every position, you know, the X, the Z, the Y, the W, whatever they are. And the thing is, we did that with our offensive linemen. We made them play tackle. We made them play guard. We made them go left. We made them go right. We made them, you know. And the thing is, they couldn't learn anything because they were terrible at anything. So to me, is you might have a guy who's really a slot receiver, and you're going to put him on the outside, but he's not going to be able to get off the line because he hasn't got the physicality or the moves to get off the line by a cornerback who's gone more physical. So he's really, he needs that space as a slot guy to really be able to play at his full potential. Yeah, but that's how you tell. You tell that in practice and in the games so that in the event that one of your top guys gets hurt, Charlie, then you probably would not put that player in as a replacement on the outside if you only see that during practice in the preseason games he's effective in the slot. That's how you make well, your determination. I would, ho I would hope so, and I yeah. would hope that if they saw some guy couldn't play that position, that they would just let him hone his skills on the position that he can play very, very well. I would rather have a guy who can play one position very, very well than a guy who plays two or three positions not very well, poorly, or adequately. I'd rather have a guy who can play it really, really well. And I think that's what the Giants have got caught up into, trying to find the Swiss Army knife on everybody. And I just don't think you can do that because there's only a very few guys who can actually do that with, you know, and do it well. Yeah, but Charlie, where I'll disagree with you is, and, and I'll bring up what Tyke Tolbert said, the wide receiver coach, because that's what we're focusing on in terms of having guys learn all the positions. It goes back to last year at times, and you know everybody was like, well, why are there three wide receivers on the field so often? Well, Charlie, if your best receivers are at the wide receiver position, and those are your three best offensive weapons, why wouldn't you put those three 
on the field, regardless of whether or not you think one guy's effective on the outside and the inside, as opposed to just forcing a lesser player out there just because he can play another position. Exactly. I'd rather put my best talent out there, even if he's more effective in the slot, but I have to move him to the outside. I will take my chances with better talent on the field. Yeah, but if if his better talent doesn't uh, work on a different position, like on the outside, but his talent really works like Edelman. Edelman is great in the slot. He wouldn't be that great on the outside. That's where he he goes above the X's and O's. So to me, it's like I would want – I'd rather have a guy who can really play the slot – and he's really good, and he might not be as talented as some other guy who can play both positions, but he's not going to be as good as a guy who's really focused and has got the talent to play one position. It's like you, Jeff. It's like you having you go oh, practice boy. kicking and, and, you know, like being a kicker and also punt. You know, it's just like, Well, I had to because we backed that? each other up, so I did have to learn how to kick and to punt. But we had to do both. You know what? And, Charlie, by the way, of all people, I can't believe you're against preparing other players. He called up a few weeks ago. He goes, who's the third long snapper on the team? Oh, yeah, I'm worried. Right, yeah. Remember, he goes, he goes, I'm worried if Zach Diossi gets hurt. Yeah. And now and now he's claiming that you as a punter should not be prepared to kick. God forbid there's well, a listen, circumstance. I, we, we don't have much time left in the show. And, but I want, yeah. I would like to address what you just said. And I think that it all has yeah. to come down to this. I don't think we're getting, we're getting too caught up on that these guys are playing these different positions. And that's just the way – this is all about scheme and and just they're not going to be lining up at the X when they're a Z all the time. It's just they need to understand that okay, maybe sometimes they're going to put Shepard outside and they're going to put Odell in the slot. They got to yep, understand, yep. you know what I'm saying? So they have to learn yep. all the positions because the plays that they're going to call might require the X to become the Z at certain times of the game. So it's that that's what I think don't get so caught up in these guys are learning all these other different positions. It's not so much that, it's just that they have to understand the plays coming from playing right. an X or a Y or a Z. Okay? Does that yeah, make sense? Well, I understand that. Okay. I, I think that but I yeah, think that's that all it is. Helpful. And uh, that that I agree on. But anyway, thanks guys. All right, I'll Charlie. Let you guys go. All right, Charlie. And, uh, Always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that we squeezed you in so that we got pro football focuses analysis on uh, Victor Salako. That was definitely the punch. highlight of the program. They thank God this guy can punch and that he was on the street when all 32 teams are in training camp when they have 90-man <laughs> rosters. That tells got, me a lot got, that this guy's going to be really, really good. So we'll see. Want to get to one or two tweets before we wrap up here real quickly. Sam at Roy Silva 102. Aside from Evan Ingram, how are the tight ends doing in camp? How are Shermer and Shula using the tight ends in the different packages? Well, I'll tell you, today I thought Red Ellison looked really nicely. They were utilizing him as a receiver. Uh, he did work more with Davis Webb than he did with Eli Manning, but Webb hit him a few times down the right sideline, which was nice to see. And, you know, he's a bit of a wild card because we're wondering, is he well, going to be a fullback? Is he going to be a receiver? Is he, he going to be on the line? going to be all of it. And, and that's I, how they should and utilize I, and I heard, I heard specifically Eli was asked this question. I don't remember who it was, who who asked him it, but this the response, what the question was, how do you see Pat Shermer's offense and how challenging and what's going to be good about it? He said, well, it's 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 not so much challenging for me. It's going to be more challenging for the defense because we're going to have a lot of different formations. 
and he mentioned we could have two and three tight end formations. Yeah. So there's your answer to the tight end question. Red Ellison is going to be a part of this offense, whether it's blocking or running receivers. They're, they're not just going to be in 11 personnel. They might be in whatever, a three tight end personnel, 30-something or whatever. I don't know. But but there's going to be – there might be three tight ends. Different looks. Yeah. yeah. They have certainly showcased that, and I think we'll yeah. maybe get a little bit better feel in the preseason. One other question here, Elisa at so bad six. Anything on Shepard? I heard something with his leg, hoping it was a cramp. He was back out there on practice, and there was no concern long-term whatsoever in terms of Sterling Shepard. Pat Shermer even emphasized that yesterday, and he was out there running routes, catching passes today. So no concern about the injury bug with Sterling Shepard. I think that wraps up just about Good. everything for us here today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Yep. We'll be up and running again tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern as the Giants are going to have another morning practice, and then they will have a media session get, with the Get reporters. a guest on uh, tomorrow for the show. Sitting well, in my seat tomorrow will be Amani. That's right. Amani Toomer will be joining us. Look at this. A little tease. A little tease for yes, tomorrow's show. Yes, a little show. tease for tomorrow's show. There you go. New face filling in for Jeff Eagles, so stay tuned for that. Everything else, stay locked to Giants.com. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll talk to you Have tomorrow. Have a good one, guys. On Giants.com. Have a good one.